0: If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Daniel 4. We continue here in our series in the book of Daniel. We're four weeks in now today. And um, I just got to tell you, this might be my favorite chapter in the whole book. I know there's the lion's den and there's the fiery furnace and those are amazing stories. But there's just something about this chapter that I'm drawn to. And um, the message today is entitled, Chew Your Cud. And we've got some farmers in the house. You know all about that with your cattle and certain animals that do some of that chewing and then eating and then regurgitating and chewing again. And you'll see why I named the message, Chew Your Cud, here in a moment. Approximately th- three years has transpired between Daniel chapter 3 and now Daniel chapter 4. And the reason why this is one of my favorite chapters in this book is because this is actually a chapter of King Nebuchadnezzar's testimony. Here's this pagan king, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, here in chapter 4, we see King Nebuchadnezzar share his testimony about God Almighty and how he came To faith, We have all kinds of testimonies that we share here at Faith from time to time. And we love to hear the testimonies of how God might have touched someone's life or God might be at work in someone's life. And so I just want you to just picture with me. It's like King Nebuchadnezzar showed up today and he's going to be like, let me just share with you something. And then we get to hear his testimony. And so this chapter, it actually starts out like... Some of those movies that maybe you've seen, like the opening five to ten minutes, this whole scene's unfolding and it might be chaotic and then all of a sudden they pause the movie and they're like, I bet you're wondering how we got here. And then you go all the way back to some time prior to that and then the rest of the movie is the build-up to that final scene and then at the end you get to see how that scene plays out. That's a little bit of what this chapter is like. It opens up with King Nebuchadnezzar giving praise to God Almighty. You're like, how did we get to this point? And then he begins to walk through why he is doing that. And so as we get into the scriptures today, this is God's word. He speaks to us through his word. And so to prepare ourselves in receiving the word of God, let's take a moment right now and just settle our hearts and pray to God Almighty. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time together in your word. And Lord, this account, this testimony of King Nebuchadnezzar, here we are years and years later able to read this. And Lord, in the midst of walking through this, I pray that your spirit would speak to us, that you would guide us, that you would lead us. Please have your way with this time. And, Lord, I'm asking that you would use me. Spirit of God, fill me and use me. May this time be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Daniel 4, starting here in verse 1. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. He says, peace and prosperity to you. He says, I want you all to know about the miraculous signs and wonders the Most High God has performed for me. Then he says, how great are God's signs, how mighty his wonders, his kingdom is an eternal kingdom, his dominion endures from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was living in my palace in comfort and prosperity. But one night I had a dream that frightened me. I saw visions that terrified me as I lay in my bed. So I issued an order calling in all the wise men of Babylon so they could tell me what my dream meant. When all the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and fortune tellers came in, I told them the dream, but they could not tell me what it meant. At last, Daniel came in before me, and I told him the dream. He was named Belteshazzar after my God, and the spirit of the holy gods is in him. And I said to him, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you, and that no mystery is too great for you to solve. Now tell me what my dream means. While I was laying in my bed, this is what I dreamed. I saw a large tree in the middle of the earth. The tree grew very tall and strong, reaching high into the heavens for all the world to see. It had fresh green leaves, and it was loaded with fruit for all to eat. Wild animals lived in its shade, and birds nested in its branches, and all the world was fed from this tree. Then as I lay there dreaming, I saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven, The messenger shouted, "'Cut down the tree and lop off its branches. Shake off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Chase the wild animals from its shade and the birds from its branches. But leave the stump and the roots in the ground bound with a band of iron and bronze and surrounded by tender grass. Now let him be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him live with the wild animals among the plants of the field.'" For seven periods of time, let him have the mind of a wild animal instead of the mind of a human. For this has been decreed by the messengers. It is commanded by the holy ones so that everyone may know that the most high rules over the kingdoms of the world. He gives them to anyone he chooses, even to the lowliest of people. Belteshazzar, that was the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now tell me what it means. For none of the wise men of my kingdom can do so, but you can tell me because the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Upon hearing this, Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, was overcome for a time, frightened by the meaning of the dream. Then the king said to him, Belteshazzar, don't be alarmed by the dream and what it means." Belteshazzar replied, I wish the events foreshadowed in this dream would happen to your enemies, my Lord, and not to you. The tree you saw was growing very tall and strong, reaching high into the heavens for all the world to see. It had fresh green leaves and was loaded with fruit for all to eat, and wild animals lived in its shade and birds nested in its branches. That tree, your majesty, is you." For you have grown strong and great, and your greatness reaches up to the heavens and your rule to the ends of the earth. Then you saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump and roots in the ground, bound with a band of iron and bronze and surrounded by tender grass." Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live with the animals of the field for seven periods of time. This is what the dream means, Your Majesty, and what the Most High has declared will happen to my Lord, the King. You will be driven from human society, and you will live in the fields with the wild animals. You will eat grass like a cow, and you will be drenched with the dew of heaven." Seven periods of time will pass while you live this way until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. But the stump and roots of the tree were left in the ground. This means that you will receive your kingdom back again when you have learned that heaven rules. King Nebuchadnezzar, please accept my advice. Stop sinning and do what is right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. Perhaps then you will continue to prosper. But all these things did happen to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, he was taking a walk on the flat roof of the royal palace in Babylon. And as he looked out across the city, he said, Look at this great city of Babylon. By my own mighty power, I have built this beautiful city as my royal residence to display my majestic splendor. And while these words were still in his mouth, a voice called down from heaven. O King Nebuchadnezzar, this message is for you. You are no longer ruler of this kingdom. You will be driven from human society, and you will live in the fields with the wild animals, and you will eat grass like a cow. And seven periods of time will pass while you live this way, until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. That same hour, the judgment was fulfilled, and Nebuchadnezzar was driven from human society. He ate grass Like a cow, and he was drenched with the dew of heaven. He lived this way until his hair was as long as eagle's feathers, and his nails were like birds' claws. And after this time had passed, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven, and my sanity returned, and I praised and worshiped the Most High, and honored the One who lives forever. His rule is everlasting, and his kingdom is eternal. And all the people of the earth are nothing compared to him. He does as he pleases among the angels of heaven and among the people of the earth. No one can stop him or say to him, what do you mean by doing these things? When my sanity returned to me, so did my honor and glory and kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out and I was restored as head of my kingdom with even greater honor than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and glorify and honor the king of heaven. All his acts are just and true, and he is able to humble the proud. What a testimony. I just love this chapter. We're going to walk through this kind of section by section here in the first chapter few verses here it's like his opening statement we see that he he says in verse two i want you all to know about the miraculous signs and wonders that the most high god has performed for me so just like he was here right now about to give his testimony he starts it out by saying i want you all to know about this god that changed my life Then he begins to open it up here with verse 4. He's a fat cat king. Verse 4, he says, I was living in my palace and I was comfortable and I was prosperous. And you see that comfortable living. We can think through in our own lives and maybe in the lives of those around us. But sometimes we can get so comfortable that we don't change. And we think we have no need for God. I have everything at my fingertips. I make my own way. I provide for myself and my family, and, and my business is booming. And, and if God was to tell me what to do, it would cramp that. And we live in that bubble. And I think of our own country and how prosperous. We really are, and how that prosperity actually can numb us to God Almighty. That was King Nebuchadnezzar's situation. He was sitting in his palace and, to some degree, sort of gloating about all the accomplishments and things that he has going. Well, he has this dream. That frightens him. So there's a dream here and there's an all call. He needs, he needs all these guys that, that can help him interpret this. And it almost seems a little like deja vu, right? We, we've seen this before. The whole dream and then, you know, you need to interpret this dream for me. Otherwise, I'm going to kill you. And if you remember that uh, from Daniel chapter 2. And, you know, they all show up and they're like, King, we, we can't do this. And then it says, at last, Daniel showed up. He knows there's something about Daniel and what God is doing in his life. And what's interesting is this king who knows that there's something about Daniel's God, but yet from his perspective, it's so filled with all this pagan worship that he says the spirit of the gods is with Daniel. It's like that's his... Perspective—that's his worldview—and there's something about Daniel, and it's interesting to think about people in our own lives that they might be spiritual, and they might recognize that there's something about the God that you serve, and but it's all a part of this whole, you know, big bubble of gods, and and you can have your God, and I'll have mine, and all of that stuff, and you got to be careful with that because. The way I read the scripture is it's all or nothing with Jesus. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And at this time frame in the Old Testament, it was all about the one true God, not these lowercase g-o-d-s plural gods. And so you see it's a little bit skewed, but I also think we're getting that perspective before God touches King Nebuchadnezzar's heart. And so then we get the dream and we get the meaning of the dream. So Daniel comes in. The dream is shared. Daniel then is a bit afraid to share the meaning of the dream because he knows it's about the king and the fact that the king is going to lose his mind. And you think about some of this king's previous decrees, a lot of people dying I'm sure Daniel wasn't exactly thrilled to be like, well, let me tell you what this dream means for you and possibly what interpreting this could mean for me. But the king assures him, go ahead, just tell me the dream, Daniel. It'll be okay. And then he says, I actually wish that this would happen to your enemies, but not to you. And he says, King, you're about to lose your kingdom and you're about to lose your mind. That's not where God leaves them, right? There's going to be things that are restored to you. You you will get back your sanity. You will get back your kingdom. But you're going to be a better man when that moment takes place. And so Daniel's heart for the king, he he warns him. And I believe that there's a, a bit of a chance here to change. Daniel 4, 27 through 29, there's a couple things that that I see in just the character of God. Daniel tells the king, please accept my advice. And here's his advice. Simple. Stop sinning. He says, do what is right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. And he says, perhaps... If you do that, King, perhaps if you do that, this won't happen. And so we also see, I think, some patience from God to allow that to happen. Because in verse 29, it says, 12 months later, God carries out this judgment. Well, the king didn't change. And verse 30 man he opens up his mouth and the heart speaks and if you're reading through Daniel 4 and when we got there when we were reading through that together and you get to verse 30 and you hear what the king says as he's looking out over his city I mean how many of you are like oh that's just not a good idea man and out of his mouth comes what's going on in his heart and you see the pride that this king had you see the selfishness you you see the elevation of himself and he goes by my own mighty power it's like famous last words and in this passage you see God making a point however high or low that people might think of you I'm the one who controls who's in power And by the way, that's still true today. God is in control over all of that. And so if you think you can puff yourself up just like King Nebuchadnezzar, verse 31, while these words were still in his mouth, bam. It's going to happen now. And I know I've used this title for other sections, but now it's Nebuchadnezzar, not mad as in angry as we've seen previously, but mad as in crazy, absolutely crazy, and he's driven from human society. Then out he goes to the pasture, eating grass for seven years. Folks, there's not enough ranch dressing in the world <laughs> to convince me to do that. You have to be out of your mind. And now he's grazing like cattle. And then, you know, the long hair and the crazy long nails. I mean, this is a guy that you walked by in society that you'd kind of like sidestep it, you know, block the kids. This man is loony. And as this is going on, he's lost his kingdom. This judgment has now been fulfilled. How many of you are thankful for the grace of God? I am too. I love the sign this morning as I pulled into the church. That grace meets you where you're at. Right here and now not where you should have been. And the grace of God encounters King Nebuchadnezzar, and you see in verses 34 and 35, the sanity returns. He says he looked up to heaven, and he praised and worshipped the Most High, and he honored God. And he made this statement I think he got the picture when he says his rule is everlasting and his kingdom is eternal. And it's like, oh, king, now you understand. You're not as big as you think you were. He says all the people of the earth are nothing compared to him. And so the beauty in this, in verse 36, you see the God of restoration at work. He says, when my sanity returned, so did my honor and glory and my kingdom and my advisors and nobles, they sought me out and I was restored as head of my kingdom with even greater honor than before. You see the God of restoration. When I read King Nebuchadnezzar's testimony, I can think through my own life where I wasn't living to honor the Lord. And perhaps you can think of a moment in your life where when the grace of God meets you and He begins to speak to your heart and He begins to bring you to your senses, He begins to do a work of restoration. In your life. And you see this closing statement in verse 37. King Nebuchadnezzar laying it out. He says, I praise and glorify and honor the King of heaven. All his acts are just and true. And by personal testimony, he is able to humble the proud. And then the verse for the week reemphasizing his opening statement. How great are God's signs. How mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom and his dominion endures from generation to generation. This is King Nebuchadnezzar's testimony. And I hope you appreciated this chapter as much as I did. And I want to walk through just a few points here of response. Some application points and also a closing questions. The first point of application is this. I believe that God wants your heart and not your temporary attention. We saw God get King Nebuchadnezzar's attention in these first few chapters. Right? After the dream was interpreted and, and the king's like, Whoa, and I'm gonna promote these guys. And then you you see that moment where he jumps up and he goes, Weren't there three in that furnace? And now there's four, and I mean he's just blown away. And then that decree that he made, I mean, he was like, That God needs to be respected, but God didn't have his heart. He didn't say, if you don't worship that God, you'll be torn limb from limb. He said, if you badmouth these guys' God, you'll be torn limb from limb. I think he respected their God, but I don't think he revered and feared their God to the point where he's like, God, have my heart. His pride was in the way of that. And as we think about that in our own lives, and we think, does God have my heart or does he have my temporary attention? Is it just a Sunday morning thing? Or is God the one guiding and leading my life every step of the way? Does he have our heart? The second point. There's a truth to the character of God here. God is pursuing us even when we are living in opposition to him. The verse I can point to that, Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We know that to be true in the heart of God. And what's interesting is this story here is a span of several decades where God is getting the king's attention And leading up year after year after year to the point where he finally has King Nebuchadnezzar's heart. Aren't you glad that we have a God who pursues us even over the years? And you think about the mistakes that you've made. And guess what? God's grace is right here and right now. And he says, I want your heart. Let's get it right, right here and right now. I'm the God of restoration. Come to me. The way that you are and I will turn your life around. God pursues out of his love for people. He's pursuing you. Whether you've put your faith and trust in him or not, he's pursuing you. The last point here is a question this is a reflection for all of us is there anyone that you know that is needing to come to their senses this king was humbled to the point where he was laid low and he's eating of the grass and there's a point where he comes to his senses and that moment right there makes me think of the prodigal son I don't know if you think of that or not, but he went, he squandered all of his inheritance, and then at a point where he came low, he was sitting in a pig pen, and he's like, why am I here? How did I get here? He realizes that it was his pride that brought him to this point. He says, I need to go back home, and that's true for all of us. We come to our senses. And it's possible there's someone listening right now that when I ask that question, is there anyone that you know that is needing to come to their sense, senses, you might be sitting here going, you know what, that's, that's me. I need to humble myself before the Lord. I need to reach out to God Almighty. The title of this message, Chew Your Cud. Of course, we know that's what cows do. And if you want a whole biological lesson, just in the foyer, be like, hey, I need help understanding what that means, and there is a farmer that will help you. (laughs) But we know that certain animals will eat that food over and over again, and that expression of chew your cud is to really think about what it is that you're doing in life. Where are you at? Does God have your heart? Does He have your senses? You know, like, are you in tune to what it is that He wants to do? Let us consider our ways seriously and come before the Lord in humility. Will you pray with me as we close? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this testimony. The things you did in King Nebuchadnezzar's heart and life, you're wanting to do those very things in our hearts today. Lord, I thank you for your grace and your love and mercy that pursues us even when we are in the mess and we've made mistakes. But Lord, we come to you knowing that you're a God of forgiveness and a God of restoration. And so, Father, let us lean into that today. And as we lean into that, we lean into you. Lord, right now we pray for people that are on our hearts that need to come to their senses. And I pray that your spirit would work so powerfully in these individuals' hearts that their spiritual eyes would be open and they would see their need for Jesus and they would respond to the gospel, putting their faith and trust in you and making you Lord and Savior of their life. Lord, if there's someone listening right now as they consider their ways and where you are at in their life, and if you're lacking, I pray, Father, that that person would lean into your Spirit's voice as you're saying, Come, I want a relationship with you. If there's someone right now that desires that relationship with God, I invite you to pray with me in your heart. Say, Father, I desire a relationship with you. And my sin separates me from you. And you sent Jesus to die for my sin. So today, I'm calling out to you in faith. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me. And God, give me a new heart. Have it all. Every aspect of my life. I'm yours. Use me. For your honor and for your glory. Today I receive Christ by grace, through faith. Thank you for this gift of salvation. In Jesus' name, amen.